Oh, I tell you, I, uh, looking around, uh, I think the building's tilting a little bit this way and looks like a little bit more of a crowd on that side over there, maybe. But i uh, got some folks missing down here, but a wonderful crowd today and uh, great attendance. And so appreciate y'all swimming through the rain today uh, to make it. I had a uh, wonderful week and we've got a glorious week coming up. On uh, Tuesday, of course, we have a First Seniors Fellowship. Rich uh, Taylor will be doing a concert, sharing his testimony, and uh, around 11.45, and a wonderful lunch. So I encourage you to come on Tuesday over in Ellis for that. And then uh, Tuesday night, real uh, kickoff. Wednesday morning, bright and early, 7 a.m., the men's uh, Bible study and breakfast. Uh, we are studying the book of Philemon, and it's a wonderful study. And then, of course, the prayer uh, conference on Friday and Saturday, uh, 6 o'clock on Friday night. And looking forward to that. And uh, we're going to have a wonderful time praying and learning how to pray. All right, let's shift gears. The book of Mark, chapter 1. Mark, chapter 1. Today we're going to look at the topic, the power of the Son of God. The power of the Son of God. Mark, chapter 1, verses 21 through 34 will be our text. Maybe you see there in the church bulletin, uh, we have a brand new bus. And uh, we got a new church bus. And so when we go to Sheely's on February 10th, uh, with senior adults, we're going to break it in. And uh, we're going to drive over to Sheely's in that bus. I got tickled. They were driving down the road in the bus. And uh, the first trip, uh, Dr. E was on the bus. And uh, so Dr. E stepped, got to the front of the bus and said, does this have a six-cylinder or a V8? <laughs> the driver said, a V8, hang on, and pushed it down and took off. <laughs> so, uh, it's got some power. Aren't you glad that we have a Lord who's got power? What's the old song we used to sing? Power, power, wonder-working power. He's got that kind of power. The early church, they would recite a creed back and forth. The pastor would say, Jesus is Lord. And the congregation would say, He is Lord indeed. And I thought about the wonderful statement that is that Christ is Lord of our lives. The boss and Lord indeed. One time a skeptic, an old atheist was trying to demean the Christian faith, walked up to a new believer and said, do you really believe that Jesus turned water into wine? The old skeptic was trying to mock the faith, but the new believer said, well, I don't know about that, but I'll tell you my house, he turned 
beer into bread. <laughs> and uh, I love it. In Mark's Gospel, we find the power of the Son of God. I want you to look here at verses 21 and 22 as we begin. They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, He entered the synagogue and began to teach. They were amazed at His teaching, for He was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now, in verse 22, you find the word amazed. Verse number 27, you find the word amazed. They were amazed at the teaching and the demeanor that Jesus had. He had authority when He taught. He had a power, a charisma about His life. Now, the text says that Jesus entered the synagogue there in verse number 21. In other words, in verses 21 and 22, He entered the synagogue and began to teach. Now, I I don't really know the difference between good teaching and good preaching. I I know that they both kind of go together. But Jesus, after He taught and after He proclaimed the Word of God, the Bible says in verse number 23, somebody cried out. There was a man in the synagogue there in verse 23, and he cried out. Now, good preaching that is anointed by the Holy Spirit will always have a convert. There will always be someone who will respond to the Gospel. It may not be visible. You may not always see what God does behind the scenes, but there will always be a convert. Now, as you look through this whole text, you find that situation after situation that Christ had power. Power to change a life. Power to shake things up. Aren't you glad that knowing Jesus doesn't mean that we have to be dull and boring? Man, I am not dull and boring. And I don't want to be dull and boring. I, I want to have life. Man, when they bury me one day or cremate me one day, I want to say, glory be to God as I'm going down. I want life and that abundance. I was um, back at Sonny's Creek Baptist Church on Monday and uh, did a memorial service for a dear sweet lady. Earlene Legrand. And Miss Earlene was such a wonderful woman. As I preached that funeral, I thought about all that she had done. And, and somebody came up after the service and said, Preacher, do you remember that time we were out visiting? I said, Well, I've been out visiting thousands of times. What time are you referring to? He said, Well, he said this one time we were driving down the road and he said, You pulled out in front of someone. I said, well, I do that all the time. In fact, I did this morning. Someone honked at me, you know. And, and uh, But anyway, Alan said, now, preacher, you didn't want to know what she said. He said, I read her lips. 
And she didn't call you a saint. She called you something else. Now listen, I, I believe that when you get saved, there is a power, there is a authority that the world can't understand. And when you are doing the Lord's business, you are laser focused on that business. And that's, that's what we find here in the text today. Jesus had power as the Son of God. Now, we're going to see His power in three different areas. Number one, He has power over demons. Power over demons. I want you to look at verses 23 through 28. Follow along in your Bibles. I read these verses, beginning in verse 23. Just then there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, What business do we have with each other? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. Throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. They were all amazed, so that they debated among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Immediately, the news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding district of Galilee. So, here's the story. Jesus goes into the synagogue. He goes in there and begins to teach. And right in the middle of His teaching, someone stands up and with a shriek and a cry says, what do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? In other words, as Jesus was preaching, this demon-possessed guy cried out, now, what is a demon? Well, a demon could be, probably is, those fallen angels, one-third of which tried to rebel against God and left heaven's estate with Satan. And these fallen demons, these fallen angels, are alive and well on earth. If you look in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 14, look over to Isaiah chapter 14 real quick. Isaiah 14, and look at verses 11 through 15. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 11 through 15. Now listen to what the Bible says. Isaiah 14, beginning in verse 11. <clears throat> your pomp and music of your harps has been brought down to Sheol. Maggots are spread out as your bed beneath you, and worms are your covering. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, sun of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven, I will raise my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit on the mount of assembly 
in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Nevertheless, you will be thrust down to Sheol, to the recesses of the pit. Now, Isaiah chapter 14, 11 through 15 talks about Satan as this son of the morning who tried to elevate his throne above God. And we know according to Revelation that he was cast down. One third of those angels in heaven tried to come against the throne of God. When they were cast down, these fallen angels have become the demons that we have to deal with. Sometimes we have a confrontation with someone. And sometimes it gets hostile. And sometimes we can see that there is a demonic possession going on there. Now, can a child of God be possessed by a demon? I don't think so. Can a child of God be steered or controlled or influenced by a demon? Possibly. And that's why Ephesians chapter 6 says we fight this spiritual warfare in high places. Now, demons recognize the Lord's authority. If you look back in Mark chapter 1 verse 24, the demon said, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And so demons recognize the power of the Lord. In fact, in James chapter 2, verse 19, it says that demons even recognize that Jesus is Lord. And so, they recognize that. Now, in verses 25 and 26, Jesus rebukes the demon. Now man, that must have been some kind of show. <laughs> this guy is screaming out in convulsions. And Jesus says in 25 and 26, He says, Be quiet and come out of Him. And then the demon in verse 26 threw the guy into a convulsion, screamed and cried, and came out of the man. Do you remember the time that Jesus was um, there ministering to a gathering demoniac? There was a group of demons in this demoniac's life called Legion. And Jesus cast the demons out. Where did He cast those demons? Into the pigs, right. What did the pigs do? Right, they committed suicide, didn't they? No, no, no. Oh, so bad, so bad. You know, when, when demons match up against the Lord, they're always on the losing side. And these demons here, they, they cried out with a loud voice, but they had to obey the command of the Lord. Now, verses 27 and 28, we find again, uh, verse 27, this amazement, His new teaching with authority, and you find Mark's favorite word in verse 28 immediately, found 42 times in the book of Mark. But what, what lessons do we learn from the Lord's power over demons? Let me give you two. 
Number one, there are no hopeless cases with the Lord. No one's too far gone. We said last week that the Lord can save out of the gutter. He can. No one too far gone. Look at the Bible. Zacchaeus up a tree. The woman at the well. The woman caught in adultery. Matthew the tax collector. Peter the loudmouth. On and on you can look through the Word of God and it looks like they are hopeless cases, but not when they're touched by the power and grace of God. And so there are no hopeless cases. A second lesson. In Christ's day, people were not excited about going to the synagogue. As the Jews went to worship, they went to a dry, dull, boring place. Now, I want to tell you, when Jesus is preached and when Jesus is sung about, there is life in worship. <coughs> Man, the most exciting time of the week ought to be on Sunday morning when God's people come together to worship. Man, the fire ought to fall. The baptistry ought to be wet. And there ought to be tears of joy in the eyes of the people of God. It ought to be an exciting time. When Jesus came, He brought life to the synagogue. I uh, heard a story about a pastor who was trying to reach an old, hard-headed guy in his community. And the pastor had went and visited the man time and time again. He had shared Christ with him. He had told him about the Gospel story. And the man kept turning down the pastor saying, well, I'm not ready to come to church. I'm not ready to be saved. And then one day, a terrible thing happened in the community. There was a fire at the church. And that night as the church was on fire, it was burning, the fire trucks were there, the pastor was there, and the church folks were there. And, and that old reprobate, lost sinner showed up. And the pastor was shocked and he looked at the man and said, I've never seen you here on these church grounds before. And here's what the lost man said. He said, I've never seen the church on fire before. I want to tell you, when the church gets on fire spiritually, people will come and watch it burn. You want to know why some churches are empty? It's because they start worship at 11 o'clock sharp and they quit at 12 o'clock dull. That's it. That's the reason why. Man, I tell you, when we come to worship, it ought to be the most exciting time of the week. Jesus had power over demons. Alright, number two. Secondly, He has power over disruptions. Power over disruptions. Have you ever had your life disrupted? Have you ever been late for an appointment? Have you ever had a doctor's appointment at 10.30? And you're sitting out there and you're looking at your watch and you know it's 11 o'clock or 11.30 and you're thinking, well, what happened to that 10.30 appointment, you know? And have you ever had to take your car in, have it worked on, and 
And uh, the mechanic comes out and goes, well, I've got bad news for you. Not only do you need what you came in here for, you need a couple more things done to that car too. Yeah, disruptions. Well, look at verses 29 through 31. Let's read this. And immediately, again, there's Mark's favorite word. And immediately, after they came out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever. And immediately they spoke to Jesus about her. And He came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she waited on them. Now, stay with me on this, alright? He's in the synagogue preaching. They just finished church service. Usually that synagogue service would end about 12 noon. And so from the synagogue, when you leave church, where do you go? You go to eat, right. You go to Lizard's Thicket, alright? You, you go eat. Go to Blue Marlin. You go eat, alright? Well, you know, they didn't have a Lizard's Thicket there or Blue Marlin, so... They went to someone's house to have dinner, to have lunch. And so they go to the house of Simon. You know, Simon Peter said, Oh, come on over. My, my mother-in-law, she'll cook for you. She's a good cook. So they go to mother-in-law's house. Mother-in-law is sick and in the bed. So the cook is not able to cook. She's in bed. Now ladies, you know how men are when they don't get fed. We are cranky and cantankerous. The way to a man's heart, through his stomach, right? So, there's a disruption. The schedule's thrown off. They're waiting for lunch. They're looking at Jesus. They're saying, can't you do something about this? So, he goes in there and he heals the cook. That's what he does. Verse 31. He takes her by the hand and says, Well, it's time to get cooking, lady. Get up. <laughs> oh, you think I'm making that? That's what it says. Verse 31, it says, She got up and what did she do? She started waiting on them. Immediately, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Jane. Whew, well, I like that. Hey, you know what? It doesn't matter if it's a demon-possessed man or if, if it's a small disruption in your life, your schedule's thrown off by the cook being sick. The Lord has power to change things. I remember one time Pam and I were flying across the country and we were flying from uh, Henderson, Nevada back to South Carolina and had Kendra with us. And um, you know, when you get to the airport, first thing you do is look at the board and see if your plane is, you know, delayed. Well, this one was, looked like it was going to be canceled. So I looked at the board and I thought, okay, we're flying from Las Vegas to Atlanta 
or Charlotte changing planes, going back into Columbia. So I thought, well, not only are we delayed here, but we're probably going to be delayed and miss our flight, our connection. And so I started working the, the desk. And so I went up and I said, now, now, lady, listen, you know, I'm a pastor, I'm a minister, and folks are depending on me. And I pulled my preacher card, you know, and said, uh, said my name's Billy Graham, and you know, I, they're expecting me up there in Charlotte. You know, anyway, I, uh, I laid it on thick and heavy, man. And I said, can't you do something for me? And so she got on the phone and she... I heard her say on the phone, anyone but Southwest. And so what she was saying, she was saying, give me any airline except Southwest. Because I understand Delta doesn't have a connection with them. But anyway, any airline but Southwest. And so uh, she said, uh, hung up, she said, I've got you and your wife and daughter on a plane in 10 minutes. And I said, great. I said, where do we connect through? And she said, oh, you don't connect anywhere. She said, I got you a direct flight into Columbia. And I thought, wow. I said, Lord, I got delayed, but I got a better flight. I'm going to get home sooner, and I don't have to change planes. Can you imagine? Now listen to me. Sometimes those disruptions always turn out better when you let Christ be Lord of the situation. And that's what happened here. I mean, perhaps she cooked better. I don't know. But she was healed. 1 Peter 5.7 1 Peter 5.7 says, Casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Let me just be personal here with you. Every single one of us here today, all of us, you're going to have a disruption in your life this week. Something's going to delay you. Something's going to mess up your schedule. There's going to be a disruption. You can let that disruption eat you up with anger, with resentment, with turmoil, or you can turn it over to the Lord and say, Christ is Lord over this disruption. And that's what you need to do because He does care for you. Alright, third and last thing today, third and last. We find that the Lord has power over diseases. In verses 32 through 34, when evening came after the sun had set, they began bringing to Him all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city had gathered at the door. And He healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons. And He was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who He was. The Bible says that the whole city, in verse 33, gathered at the door. You know, as I walk through hospital rooms, whether it be Frida Milne, or whether it be Dr. Still this week, I saw Gertrude at the Atria on Thursday. 
She just got moved in there. Every time I grab someone's hand, and as I pray a prayer, I say, Lord, You know what needs to be done. And in the strong, wonderful, matchless name of Jesus, show up mighty and strong in this person's life and bring healing according to Your plan and according to Your will. You see, God, God's always in the healing business. Um, sometimes we don't recognize that. God uses doctors. And God uses medicine. And God uses the technology that we have today. But in the final outcome, God has to touch a life to make the medicine work. God has to touch a life to make it all come together. But I'm glad that God uses people to carry out His will. We find here that all these with various diseases were healed. Jesus and His disciples probably would have liked to have spent the afternoon relaxing. But all these people to minister to showed up. Jesus knows how to carry our burdens. In fact, here in the text, where it says in verse 32 that they, were, they began bringing to Him, that word bringing there means to carry a burden. What a neat word. Bringing, carrying a burden to the Lord. And that's the picture here. They had a burden in their life and they carried it to the Lord and laid it before Him. And that's what you can do today. And that's what I can do today. There is power in the name of Jesus. Power. Over diseases, yes. Over disruptions, yes. Over demons, yes. Let's bow together for prayer. Father, I thank You for Your Word today. Thank You for that wonder-working power that we have in You. Father, this week we are going to be challenged. Lord, there's going to be a demon after us. There's going to be a disruption. We're going to be faced maybe with a disease in us or a family member. But Father, right now I pray that Christ would be Lord over all these things. And Father, we thank You for Your Lordship through Jesus. In His name we pray. Amen. Y'all have a wonderful day.